You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your brains, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are cracking open the bubbly in celebration of a Blue Jays victory. And it's not bubbly. It's Mike's Hard Lemon. Well, it's not even Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's Mike's Hard Lime. But hey, a win's a win, right? Anyway, I am your host, Ryan Andrews of JaysFromTheCouch.com. And yeah, um, waited until after the Blue Jays and Yankees game finished to record this. And 4-3 victory. We're going to talk about that um, right now, I guess. And then we will get into day two of the Blue Jays um, MLB draft and just how that went. I I know we were going to talk about a couple of younger bats today, but um, we can talk about um, how Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Kevin Biggio are doing Tomorrow, especially since BGO didn't have the best day today. But yeah, um, that Blue Jays win over the Yankees um, came on the back of a strong fifth inning for the Blue Jays, where they touched up Masa Tanaka for four runs. And, you know, it was those kind of inning, it was that kind of inning that, you know, you see the Blue Jays capable of delivering from time to time just like glimmering hopes of an inning where you get the home run like that or you get you know solid contact made and you know the Blue Jays were were able to finally do that against Tanaka who was stymieing them for most of the game but yeah Freddie Galvis coming up with the big two-run home run to give the Blue Jays a lead and then you know, Sogard and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. That's how that's supposed to work with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Someone gets on base, someone gets to second, and then Vlad drives him in. Textbook. So yeah, that was good to see. Just a shame they couldn't do it in any of the other innings. But you know what? A win's a win. We'll take it. And, you know, the pitching staff, for the most part, did their job. Clayton Richard another abbreviated start as he continues to work his way back from the injury earlier in the year. But for the most part, he looked good. Like I said on Twitter, like Clayton Richards, not like your standard pitcher who who seems to come in with this, you know, a lot of movement to try and get hitters. In fact, it's a lack of movement, it seems, with Clayton Richard that he's trying to use because all his stuff was living on the outside part of the plate, and he was getting a lot of the Yankees to kind of swing at it. Um, Obviously, the one mistake pitch came when he put it way too close to the middle of the plate, and that was when Clint Frazier just jacked it over the wall. Like, it was no doubt. Like, you can't put it in the fat part of the plate and not have it go yard. But, you know, over four and two-thirds innings, he was all right. Again, he's been consistent, which the Blue Jays kind of need for a couple of those rotation spots. So as he continues to work back, we'll see how well he goes. He didn't get the win because he only went four and two-thirds. 
Um, congratulations, Thomas Pannone. You walked two batters and got one guy out and got a win for it. So, well done. But the bigger stars, obviously, for the Blue Jays was the new three-headed monster at the back end. Um, Daniel Hudson, Joe Biagini, and Ken Giles combined to work the final four innings for the Blue Jays. Not just three. They they were asked to go extra, and each one of them was able to do that little extra. Um, obviously, Biagini gave up the home run to Aaron Hicks, and Giles put two runners on in the ninth, and it started to look a little dicey, especially when it seemed like he kind of lost the plate when facing Aaron Hicks. But he was able to strike out the side eventually and lower his ERA to like 112, which is insane. <laughs> I I can't remember the last time I believe Jays had an ERA like that, like without just, except for Luke Maley, of course. How, how could I possibly forget about Luke Maley and his goose egg ERA? Um, and yeah, I guess you can throw Ryan Goins at me. I won't like it, but you can throw Ryan Goins. But anyway... That was huge, especially considering you knew Richard wasn't going to go as deep as Tanaka. So the bullpen had to be ready. And to get that in a close game from those three guys is huge for the Blue Jays. Now, it's it's also huge from the standpoint that suddenly Daniel Hudson could be another trade chip for this team. Much like John Axford and Aaron Loop and Sung Hwan Oh were last year. And, I mean, I'd hate to see that bullpen torn apart because it is the best thing the Blue Jays have right now, which is not saying much. But Vlad needs to keep hitting more consistently to overtake them. But, you know, again, it's a it's a kind of effort that, you know, we're, we're used to seeing from these guys at this point. And even though, you know, guys like Sam Gavilio have fallen off lately, the fact that if the Blue Jays can manage to enter a game late with a lead, which they have not done a lot, knowing that there is a trio of relievers that can do the job and can get them to the end in a close game and not automatically blow it, it's it's something to hold on to in this season, which, I mean, it's not been a lot to hold on to, but again, it's it's a something, and that's all we can really ask for. Um, we're gonna talk about day two of the MLB draft in in day one because we didn't talk about Kendall Williams yesterday. But we will discuss all of that right after this break. Just a reminder that this episode of Locked on Jays is brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. You know, do better than him and book with Hotels.com and get the trip you deserve. And you can totally rub it in Mariah's face the next day. So Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so before I go into the draft picks, just a quick shout out that I forgot in the first half. Eric Sogar went three for four 
today, which is really good. So congrats. Um, keep rocking the goggles, bud. All right. So we talked a lot about Alec Manawa yesterday and what the Blue Jays got in him. And then they followed it up while I was recording by drafting another huge right-hander, Kendall Williams from the IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. And, you know, it, it looked like it could have been a risky pick. Williams had already been committed to go to Vanderbilt, but you, you look at the kid's Twitter and it's pretty clear he's, he's all in, he's ready to go to Toronto. He's already changed his bio. Um, he's already talking like he's in the organization. So if the Blue Jays had that commitment in line, this is a great pick in the second round. A guy with a four-pitch arsenal, multiple fastballs, the swerve that he throws. It's not a curveball. It's not a slider. It's kind of a hybrid. And he's in an organization that's got some really good slider throwers. So Williams is a guy who can work on building up his strength a little bit. Again, he's 6'6", but he's lanky. He's not physically built like Manawa yet. So Williams will take a little time, but he's apparently willing to come to the organization and go at it. So huge get for the Blue Jays. So when they picked Williams, it made it look like they were going to focus on pitching and try to build up that staff, so to speak. Then they turn around on day two and draft eight batters, not a single pitcher to be found. And again, um, getting guys like Manoan Williams, they, they do set you at ease a bit to know you have a couple of really good blue chip prospects in your organization. But... Yeah, it was not a good pitching draft. So once the Blue Jays apparently got the two that they wanted, they just went completely away and and started picking up bats. Starting with Desan Brown, who is the first Canadian who was drafted this year. It wasn't a great year for Canadians. Not like, you know, the Josh Naylor years or the or the Bo Naylor years. Apparently we need Naylors to have good years. But um Brown's just 17. He's he's out of the area. He's um, from Oakville, I believe. So, you know, obviously the Blue Jays hoping, you know, those Canadian ties will convince him to forgo Texas A&M and enter the organization because he's one of those guys, you know, kind of could be an Anthony Alford type. Um, he's speedy needs to work on his strength a little bit, but he has the ability to add tools to his arsenal. So if the Blue Jays can convince him to sign, that's great. Um, but yeah, they were heavily focused on the infield. They drafted five infielders um, on day two. Not in the fourth round, though. Fourth round, they, they might have gotten another steal, actually, when they took uh, Will Robertson out of Creighton, highest drafted Creighton Blue Jay in 20 years. And fitting that the Blue Jays, I guess, make that pick. Um, Robertson was a top 100 prospect. He was in the 80s, but still, it's it's a nice get in the fourth round. Um, he, and he batted 311, hit 15 home runs for Creighton, who got knocked out in the regional final by Michigan but 
one thing you're going to see with a lot of the Blue Jays picks in the second day, they kind of bucked the trend a bit when it came to batters in that they wanted a lot of guys who could hit for contact. Um, like I said, Robertson is a bit of a power guy, um, batting 311 with the 15 home runs. But then you look at all the infielders they got. Uh, fifth round pick Tanner Morris, 345 average this season for Virginia. Um, five home runs, 38 RBIs. Walked more than he struck out, which is huge for college because, you know, you have to develop that batting eye. Um, he's only a sophomore, so he could go back uh, to Virginia, but we'll see what happens there. Um, six round pick Cameron Eden, another shortstop, this time out of California. A 370 batting average for the Golden Bears, a 1,002 OPS, which, you know, Eden's got a fair amount of speed for this team. And he's another guy who, if the Blue Jays need a position player to go on the mound, he pitched four innings a shutout ball this season for Cal. So that's that's nice to have. Um, he He does need to work on his eye a little bit more. Um, but he's he's a speed demon, 20 stolen bases um, this season. So one-tenth of the time as a result of in a bat, he was going to steal a base. So that's another asset that the Blue Jays have been lacking in their organization are these speed guys. So a guy like Cameron Eden has a chance to build a resume very quickly in the organization, um, going quickly for these last few um, LJ Talley, seventh round pick out of Georgia, um, batted 326. Um, classic, you know, depth guy, one of those leader types. Georgia was one of the top teams in college this season, but got upset um, before the Super Regional. Um, trying to remember who did them in. Uh, I, um, I have to double check that, actually. But you know, this is like the Cal Stevenson pick from last year. You pick a guy who's a veteran leader on a team. It's kind of like what the Patriots do in the NFL, which I hate to give the Patriots any kind of praise. But, um, you know, if, if you draft winners like that, they help build that winning atmosphere that we talked about yesterday in the Marcus Stroman conversation that you know, you, you kind of want to have. So you have guys who are not just, you know, kind of accustomed to losing. You have guys who can go out and do what they need to do. So Tally kind of helps with that. Um, went off the board a little bit in the eighth round for Angel Camacho, who's a senior out of Jacksonville. Um, go Dolphins. Um, batted 321. Um, 10 home runs, so he has a little more pop. He's a third baseman, so we'll see how how well he develops there. But, you know, this is this is when you start to get into um, guys who, you know, may not make the majors, but are, are decent to have in the organization. Just, just you know, to kind of fill it out a little bit. Um, yeah, Georgia actually got eliminated by Florida State, um, three seeds. So there you go, if you were wondering what happened there. Um, 
The ninth round pick was a catcher. Philip Clark out of Vanderbilt um, has experience handling a lot of like elite college catchers and, and has a little bit of speed for a catcher. He had four triples this season, a 306 batting average. Um, could be surprising there. He's got a pretty even walk to strikeout ratio. So could be a decent steal actually for the Blue Jays. I mean, they, they have a lot of catching depth in the organization, but if they can convince Philip Clark to forego his junior year and join the team, that could be an option to watch, especially since they're not seeing a lot out of uh, Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire this season, at least from a batting perspective. So Clark could be interesting. And then the final pick, um, Glenn Santiago, a shortstop out of Puerto Rico. Um, he's young. He's a high schooler. They they like what he did in the National Showcase in 2018. He has a lot of room to get stronger. Um, he has good reaction time, good raw arm strength. Um, he has the tools to be a decent shortstop. And he barrels up the ball pretty consistently. So there are a lot of good raw tools there, but Santiago would be a guy who would need a lot of refinement before you can start thinking about him as a major leaguer and he does have a verbal commitment to florida international so depending on how he feels about that santiago might be a guy who decides to go to university especially as a temp round pick once you start getting into this range if you're taking a high schooler it becomes a lot more attractive for them to go to university and try and improve that stock value so santiago is a guy who the blue jays might not be able to sign but, you know, they have a lot of shortstops in the organization already. So taking a chance, seeing if you can talk Santiago and sighing, I am totally all right with that. So that is the review of Blue Jays Draft Day 2. There will not be a review of Draft Day 3 because that's like 11 through 40. And neither of us, neither me nor you, the listener, want to go through all 30 picks try and find the next Tim Mesa. Let Tim Mesa come to us and we'll talk about him. Speaking of which, Tim Mesa back on the roster. Um, Justin Schaefer got sent down. So hopefully Mesa is feeling better and we can see him in this Yankees series, which we will keep talking about on this daily podcast. Just a reminder, um, if you are not subscribed to Locked on Jays, um, it's very easy to do. You can do so on Himalaya, which is a free easy to use curated podcast app that allows you to interact directly with the podcasters and get curated podcasts for your own taste. So feel free to check them out. You can go to Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, just make sure you're subscribed. And if you wanted to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, just type in Locked on Jays. It'll take you right there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. And if you didn't check out Jays from the Couch Radio this morning, I recommend it. Um, we do our best with that previous week of Blue Jays baseball, but I think we did all right. <laughs> I was not very positive. Um, I, I didn't have a, a, a chance 
to pop the bubbly, so to speak. So yeah, um, it's a it's a little loopy, but it's a really good episode. So check it out. And yeah, um, happy for the win, and hopefully they can do it again tomorrow, and we can have more fun things to talk about. But until then, for everyone at the Locked On Podcast Network and everyone at jaysfromthecouch.com, I'm still, for the moment, Ryan Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode. And y'all take care.